On this episode, we discuss the movie set on the sexiest holiday, Labor Day. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and interested in Stuart Wellington's new way of talking, I'm Elliot Kalin. Should I not just keep doing that? Or? I, hey, it's up to you. It's a free country. I mean, should I not keep doing that? No, I actually don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Started as French Schneider, and then it became just kind of like, I don't know, a fat guy in an 80s comedy? <laughs> well, I don't know what's happening here. Well, you kids better stop it before I call the police. <laughs> There's a little Jimmy Stewart. Right? We'll Pretty shut down this bikini party. <laughs> oh, old man Jimmy Stewart hates bikini car Imagine washes. Imagine if Jimmy Stewart's career had really gone downhill and he had to do bikini movies. Well, well, what is that? That girl over here, over there is quite a beautiful piece of tail. Bobby, why don't you ask her out? This, this was advertised as a bikini car wash. They're taking their tops off. <laughs> I'm not paying for that. This is a service I did not ask for. Well, well, I, I got a letter from the bank saying I have to lose my bikini store. I can't pay the mortgage. Yeah. I'll have to put on some kind of strip show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my uncle left the bikinis, so they lost them somewhere. Sorry, anyway. Wait, what? I'm trying to do a It's a Wonderful Life thing. Oh, I see. Uncle Bill. Where are the bikinis, old man? One of us is going to jail, and it's not going to be me. Jimmy Stewart's one of those accents for me that I, uh, that always comes out when I try and do Sean Connery for too long. <laughs> I found the cure for cancer, but I lost it. Um, so, so what do we do on is, this podcast aside from bad impressions? <laughs> this is our Rich Little podcast. Uh, this is a it's podcast very little. where we talk. Now, this is a podcast where we talk about bad movies that we just watched. In this case, <laughs> the bad movie in question yeah. was a little number... That? Called Labor Day. Labor Day. Labor Rated R. Day. Actually, I think it was probably rated PG. Probably Named what? after PG-13, the day maybe. every year I, I don't where know. America gives up all labor for 24 hours. <laughs> or has a baby. <laughs> Wait, what? Really, it should be called No Labor Day. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that joke that I've seen <laughs> every day since Labor Day was invented. Wait, really? Day? You've been around every lie. day since Labor Day? Yeah. Why would they make it Labor Day jokes every day? It's not topical. <laughs> Why are you doing your, your Christmas well, material? Yeah, yeah, good one, calendar man. <laughs> well, for the first two years after Labor, Labor Day was invented, it was the talk of the town. It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. And then after that, they just become (laughs) (laughs) tip of the tongue, labor talk of the town. (laughs) So this movie could have been rated R though for hardcore piety. (laughs) Now, yeah, there are a bunch of pyromaniacs in this, Mm. as in romantic pie makers. Yeah. Uh, Now, Dan, Labor Day is that some one of these Gary Marshall like holiday comedies like New Year's Eve or uh, Valentine's Day or Arbor Day or Mm. uh, Cinco de Mayo Day or a Day of the Dead Day. Or Armistice Day. It is, Boxing in fact, Day. Boxing Day. The movie starring <laughs> Liam Neeson and I would, Bill Nye, the I, science guy. <laughs> Nye. I would love to see a, a movie that is a comedy where the idea is that, like, some filmmakers in a small English town made a made their their version of a Gary Marshall multi character holiday movie, but it's Boxing Day, and it's just whoever that the the meta ness of the movie is the story is that they just rounded up whoever they could from around the town. So it's like the green grocer and the alewife falling in love with each other, and a chimney sweep, and I don't know, chemist, like, the news agent. <laughs> The news agent, did you say? <laughs> yep. The news agent of Shield. <laughs> see, when you said I would like to see the Boxing Day comedy, I was thinking it would be a couple of washed-up boxers are like they see yeah, a grudge they're, match. They're like, "Oh, yeah. Boxing Day! That's something that's observed in Canada. Clearly, we need to go up there because that's where we're going to be stars again." And they discover it's just a, a day when the servants got to open their presents. It's just the day that they celebrate Boxing Helena. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Canada and the UK is his favorite movie. Everyone dresses up as a torso <laughs> with no legs and arms. And they play living in a box all day long. 
so Labor Day, it's a comedy, right? Uh, no. This is Jason Reitman is trying to Funny break man, out. Jason Reitman. I don't More like Jason Wrongman. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, you Boom. Boom. He's not getting up soon from that. Because um, I also punched him. <laughs> wow. Not really. Anyway, but what is jail. this? So this was Jason Reitman's attempt at making an adult drama. Yeah, we know him usually from such uh, sort of more cynical comedies Drum. as your Thank You for Smoking, your Juno, you're up in the air, Why are those young mine? adult. Why are they <laughs> you why the is my Juno my You own the rights. I, you are I, very rich. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize, so apparently I buy them the rights to movies <laughs> you don't that disappoint care for those me. Movies. Yeah. But you figure... Every time I see a movie I don't particularly like, I go, let me, I must buy it. I must own it. And add it to my movie menagerie. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you rid the world of all the imperfect movies, only perfect movies will be Only perfect movies, like Citizen Kane and Phantasm IV, Oblivion. I don't want to live in that world. (laughs) You don't, it's terrible. The world of Phantasm IV, it where it's, there's only four people and they're all in a desert all the time because there's no money. <laughs> yeah, a lot of tuning forks, though. A lot exactly. of tuning forks. And a lot of babes, but instead of breasts, they have uh, killer spheres. Yeah, and Reggie Bannister is showing his age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy, dude. <laughs> the, the guy who was already, like, balding and paunchy in the first movie... The most unlikely yeah, action hero. That's what I like about him. Is yeah, that, it's so great. Is that in that movie, it's about a kid and his hunky older brother and their friend, the ice cream man. And over the course of the movies, <laughs> the ice cream man becomes the, the hero and is involved in all the action scenes. <coughs> enough about Oblivion. We didn't watch Oblivion today. We watched uh, Oblivion. Enough about fantastic movies. We watched so Labor Day. Yeah. Now, Dan, so this was Jason Reitman's attempt to make a serious drama. He's breaking oh, yeah. out. And let's give him ambition for breaking out of the box. He could have made unfunny comedies for a while, and instead he decided to make an unfunny, boring drama. And I, I want to, you know, a little moment behind, a peek behind the curtain. We actually watched uh, Labor Day. The Jane Curtain. Jane, yeah. can you move over a little bit? Thanks. <laughs> now we can see the fact that we actually watched Labor Day on a, an, uh, a screener, an award screener, that was sent because... Uh, uh, Elliot and I, both being in the yeah, industry, you're really great we're, we're awesome both in the Writers you Guild, get, so we, yeah. we get the Writers Guild Awards. Yeah, we you're get the, Yeah, but so this was a movie that they thought had in real awards insider potential. <laughs> this was a movie. This that they one it won K wins the Golden Globe. Well, you know, yeah, you know, what I'm for, as a comedy, <laughs> you get it. No, for drama, okay. <laughs> yeah, for comedy and musical. But so this is the unlikely tale. Of a of a woman who finds love in the unlikeliest place. Flash forward with Josh Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> not flash forward. The movie is set in nineteen eighty seven. Although much of the movie feels like it could have taken place in the fifties, sixties, the forties. What I'm saying, yes, I'm saying is, unless the kid is reading a comic book or a magazine, yeah. they do it, or you see a movie poster in his bedroom wall. They do a not very good job or of a movie having a sense of time. Yeah, this could yeah. have been Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill for all <laughs> yeah, that we know. It's true. It could have been Mike Judge's King of the Hill for all we know. <laughs> yeah, sure. What with Boomhauer showing up? <laughs> no, but you're right. Sure. This could it feels this feels very depressiony. Yeah. And not just because I was depressed watching it. But like, but then like the character will take his mom to go see Daryl in the theaters. Well, part of it, I guess, is just that the very premise of the movie, which I guess we should state, which is a uh, a convict ex- escapes and finds refuge. Let's refuge let's start from the house. and refuse. Let's start. From <laughs> no, but my point is like this: like convict escaping and staying in the house and finding romance, like that feels like. Uh, a noir like setup sort of uh, or yeah, like it or feels romance. like romance it feels old from it feels the old past fashion. yeah, yeah. From, well this is the past Dan it's 1987 All right. mm-hmm. almost 30 years ago you feel I old right now I do feel very old yeah back, back when Cracked Magazine people are, people are still <laughs> listening to Duran Duran right guys that's still hip I mean I don't think they were listening to it in this movie no, <laughs> no. this was, was fucking Stephen King 1987 <laughs> yeah. that's the thing this is a 1987 movie in which you hear no current music from that time which is a little weird even when they're in stores and cars and if the movies have taught me anything in the 80s people were constantly walking around solving Rubik's Cubes and I didn't see any Rubik's Cubes (laughs) in this movie it's like how it's uh, in X-Men Days of Future Past (laughs) it's the 70s and you know that because when Wolverine walks outside everyone's dressed like a pimp (laughs) everyone so you gotta 80s up the clothes a little bit so anyway actually and that's actually something that I think normally would be a strength in this movie which is that they don't 80s it out. Yeah. It's not like everyone's dressed like our stereotyped idea of the 80s and listening to, like, you know, uh, the, the Bangles and stuff. Uh, yeah, or watching Flashdance. But at the same time, 
they go too far in the other direction. You're like, when is this? Where? It's maybe they're going for like a classic look. Yeah. But anyway, timeless. It's, but it makes it a little bit difficult now. because there's a lot of flashbacks in this movie. And you're like, what is going on? Yeah, it's is difficult. This another, is this happening in another town over? That's a good point. There's flashbacks that's the stuff that's happening in the late 60s, early 70s, and you don't know that it's different. You think these, yeah, that it could be just cutting through space rather than time. Sure. <laughs> now, let's fly time on the movie. It's 1987, and uh, there's a woman, Adele, played by Kate Winslet, who is a single mom, and she is basically a shut-in. And she lives with her 13-year-old son, Henry, and she doesn't Both get out much. Her, their, the dad left the family for his secretary, uh, and so now it's just Henry. The dad played by Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg, mm-hmm. best known as Ancient Agent Coulson. <laughs> Ancient Coulson. <laughs> Ancient Coulson. The rhyme of the Ancient <laughs> I shot a, I shot an albatross shot and hung it around my neck. That albatross's name was Marvel's Agents of Shield. <laughs> The 13 yep. episodes I was cursed to be here on ABC <laughs> in this boring show. <laughs> to be the, the best ancient. thing. <laughs> Clark Craig in the rhyme of the ancient Coulson. <laughs> there we stood. We are a show moving without any motion, like our, a painted ship on a painted ocean. Our hubris was our downfall. <laughs> in thinking anyone would watch any crap with Marvel's name slapped on it. Anyway, so... Uh, we love you, Clark Gregg. I like him a lot, sure. yeah. The point is, they're having trouble, and the son is trying to, like, make his mom happy, and he does this by, in the early movie, he makes a booklet that says, Husband for the Day, and it's coupons for, like, a back rub, and he'll do the dishes, and take her to a movie, but it's really creepy. Yeah. And it's like... Well, I mean, the very name of it, Husband for the Day, sounds like a porn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest porn. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Might I be your husband for the day? Might I put up with all your garbage for a day? And then we'll do it. Well, no, I mean, it's like, it was the name of like a Tijuana Bible or something. Of, of what? Who are the famous characters who are in it? John Dillinger. John okay. Dillinger was the husband for the day. I was going to be Dagwood and Blondie or something. Yeah. It was going to be Popeye. Marlena really, Dietrich really, really dresses up like a man and has like, sex with really, Greta Garbo or something. Yeah. Yes, it's it's, uh, it's it's Barney Google and Ingrid Bergman together. <laughs> well, finally, it's one of those Tijuana Barbell finals. Yeah, we're 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 it's a matchup. Da- we're Dagwood and Cary Grant double team olive oil. <laughs> and, and it was made, and now it it rests in the collection of I some like- creepy some creepy overweight guy. By the way. <laughs> Who bought it in an estate sale from Pervert. It's, it's canonical, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all canon. I, it's all Cary Grant canon. You really have to think... I, I like to think, and you, you have to know this is true. That's why Blue is so mad. <laughs> there are people... You'll yeah, give it up for a movie star and a, and a guy who eats big sandwiches, but not for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Popeye was upset. Yeah, you gotta think... Of course, Popeye is doing it with Nancy, so... Sure. Uh, there are people listening to this podcast who have never heard of what a Tijuana Bible is before. They don't know. They're so baffled. And then they Google it. And, and they go, they're oh. so horrified. Anyway. I mean, charming. It's to see all these, all these 30s and 40s comic strip characters doing it. Yeah. Like that big Wallywood drawing while the Disney characters are having sex with each other. But yeah. anyway, so... Classic stuff. Look it up. So... Uh, so he may, he's her husband for the day. They go see Daryl on a date. <laughs> We're going that far into the movie. Uh, but he's he he There's said so much and plot. We'll get through it. It's being narrated by uh, grown up son as and Tony Toby McGuire is doing the voice of the grown up son narrating. Which is as we've said before, a bad sign for a movie when you have somebody like telling you the story about what their mother taught them as a child. Yeah. Now one day they're in a store and the son and uh, Henry is confronted by a man with a bloody shirt. Played by Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, can you help me? I need a ride. Your mom will give me a ride in a car, right? And he is... It's weird. It's... The movie is going, I guess, for, like, there's this some, an air of something dangerous about him. But instead, he just comes off as, like, a really irritating house guest who won't leave. Like, he demands a ride home from them. Then he has to stay in their house for a couple hours. Then till nightfall. Then he stays for a couple days. Well, it's so, more like it's more like a guy they keep doing favors for than like a scary criminal. And in the early scenes, there's a lot of bass in the soundtrack, so you know there's something suspicious. The right. music is carrying a heavy load in this movie because there's a lot of slow nothing. 
and a lot of characters just kind of looking at each other and not doing much. Staring up at the sky to where the baseball went. Yeah. Well, that first <laughs> so scene, too. The music really is is doing a lot of the work. Roland doesn't, like, ever say explicitly, like, what the situation... Like, he's not making, like, explicit threats or anything. Like, it's all... Fr- like, like he's talking in code the whole time. Yeah, which is... And the soundtrack is telling us what's happening. Well, I mean, it's subtle, and it w- wouldn't be bad if, like, the danger be unfolded. Like, they didn't mm-hmm. realize how deep they were getting until it was too late. But instead, the music treats it like fucking Abel Magwitch just jumped mm-hmm. at Pip in a graveyard at yeah. night and demanded demanded a saw and some vittles or he'd strangle him. <laughs> and also, it seems and yet, like... And yet, some great expectations will come from oh, that moment. What larks. But uh, <laughs> it seems like... It, it seems like Kate Winslet, though, can hear the soundtrack because she is reacting. She's like, that music if, is scary. Yeah. This is a bad dude. Yeah. He should be in the video game, bad dudes, <laughs> saving the president. And not putting his hand on the back of my son's neck. Now, is that the first time that person has ever made reference to Great Expectations and then bad dudes right afterwards? Maybe. I mean, call Guinness. <laughs> Look at the archives. Okay, let's do this for most of that reference. Yeah. But yeah, so... Uh, he goes home and he's he escaped from. It turns out he's a convict who escaped from jail by jumping out of a window. He was hurt somehow and he's limping. He pre- and he's got blood on his side. Yeah, he pretended he had uh, appendicitis to get out of the jail yeah. into the hospital. And uh, they he stays there for a while. And to make a long story short, he and Kate Winslet almost immediately begin falling in love. Start boning down. And <laughs> this their love, their romance, their wooing begins. When he compliments their home, then ties her up so that she can but sell lace that, that she was tied up gently, and then feeds her some Such chili that he made. <laughs> he makes her some chili and ties her, and then teaches her and her son how to make pies. Yeah, well, he is a, a master chef. <laughs> this he is the, be on the master chef. There's chefs. literally a scene where he she picks up a piece of food he made, and then her eyes go open as if you know she's just seen God through his food. She's tasted God. Uh, that food is like, or that food is like, like. Stimulating her clitoris. <laughs> like, wow! Wow! Is this deep throat? Is it in her esophagus? I, I like. There was no way of not going gross. I realized halfway through my thoughts, so yeah. I just went for no, it. No, but it's true. Sure. Every it's like the, the he goes from scary to turning her on almost instantly. Yeah, and there's a so yep. and this movie seesaws it's back like and crash. forth. Yeah, <laughs> it movie seesaws back and forth between trying to make us tense and trying to show us passion. So there's a scene where J.K. Simmons, as the neighbor who has too many peaches, shows up with a basket. So sexy, this J.K. Simmons. <laughs> he shows up. He shows up with a basket of peaches, and uh, Josh Brolin doesn't want anyone to know that he's there. So he like threat. He while the son is talking to J.K. Simmons, he has Kate Winslet in like an arm lock, you know, in case he has to use her as a hostage if something happens and it, we're supposed to be it's supposed to be tense but then immediately she's like we'll never eat all these peaches mm-hmm. in time and he goes I've got an idea and then there's what a 40 minute sequence where he shows them how to make a peach pie it's the most ridiculous I mean like first like J.K. Simmons shows up and he's like you know like I've got a basket of ripe vagina metaphors <laughs> and like then they're just like all like sticking their like hands into like these moist and it's peaches suppo- and like the, massaging it's them to be like, a, like a like water for chocolate Eat, drink, man, yeah. type or sex like and a, food like thing. Or like a Maria Pasta commercial. <laughs> yeah. Except the sun is there also the sticking his also, hands yeah. in these peaches. Just and like it's like getting up in those peaches. It it's like fucking eat to mama tambien. <laughs> as if it wasn't already incesty enough that he was her husband for a day. Yeah. The, uh, so it's, anyway, things, they yeah. 15 minutes later, what's the pies baked? And meanwhile, they're having these, they're these cut, these like very quick flashbacks, like, the pawnbroker or something like that, where you just see images and you slowly pick up that Josh Brolin was a soldier who came back from the war and had a baby with his wife, but things didn't work out with his wife. And eventually you learn that she was having an affair and she revealed to him the baby wasn't his. And he got mad and shoved her. And of course she hit her head on the radiator on the way down and died. And then he ran upstairs and found that his wife had left the bathtub running and their baby drowned. So... I mean, a pretty uplifting tale, right? Yeah. In the middle of this romance passion story. I mean, it, it feels a little bit like... It's like a Greek wrote, tragedy. That, that they wrote this story, they're like, okay, so he's going to be a murderer. How can we make him a murderer, but like, still kind of a good guy? Well, it's like Con Air, where Nicolas Cage goes to jail for defending his pregnant wife. Yeah, in both yeah. cases, we have like a convict Jesus character, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus was a convict. Oh, yeah. Except he got the death penalty. <laughs> 
But then he rose. I Three days later, that's I've got not some pamphlets. No, that's Elliot. not something I agree. You lost, you lost you over me. To my side. You lost me on that part with the dark <laughs> side. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine if you want to burn in hell, but uh, if you want to, you know, yeah, accept the truth of God's love. I don't believe love. in it. God loves me so much, he's going to throw me to hell. <laughs> he's going to drag me to hell, if he's you will. He's going to snap mm-hmm. his wrist and throw you down. Because that's, that's a Josh reference to the movie where we watched <laughs> because where he taught uh, the where Josh Brolin teaches the little kid. How because to throw here's the thing: Kate Winslet doesn't just fall in love with Josh Brolin for his pie making prowess and his sexy goatee. Pie it's because prowess. He is literally the best husband ever. This yeah. this convict who's been there for a day. He fixes <laughs> on their, day two. He starts just doing chores. He's like he fixes their rock wall. He counts all their wood, firewood and tells them they're being shortchanged by the firewood guy. He fixes their car. He teaches Henry how to throw a baseball. He cleans out the gutters. He does. It's like he waxes the floors. He waxes nostalgic for a time <laughs> that never really existed. They they, they start and uh, a friend of theirs it's comes over and forces them to babysit her uh, disabled son. Yeah. And he you may teaches, remember her from Science of the Lambs yeah. as a great big fat girl. <laughs> Well, the person who was supposed to rub lotion on her skin, yeah. so she didn't get that. She's in other skin. movies, too. Yeah. No, but that's her main thing. <laughs> that's her famous role as Lotion Girl. <laughs> as girl who was almost but not made into a dress. Yeah. But uh, the, but even like, and like, Spoiler. the convict even loves this kid, teaches him how to play baseball. Really, this, this convict yeah, it's is like the sweetest they, of sweethearts. They wheel this kid in, and you're like, I think the movie music tries to make you feel like, Josh Brolin's totally just going to snap this kid's neck. <laughs> <laughs> every, that's the thing. Every scene, it's supposed to be super tense, like he's dangerous, until he makes someone a meal or teaches yeah, them how to do something like, that cleans he's their gonna house. He's going to snap this kid's neck, and then we're like, whoa, is he going to sleep with this kid? <laughs> <laughs> and then so it's like, but are we, so we can't keep falling for the trap that this movie thinks we're going to fall for, where it's like, uh-oh, is he finally going to snap this time? Oh no, he made them s'mores. Like, oh, maybe he's gonna strangle the whole family and burn the house down. No, he's reading them a bedtime story. Yeah. Okay, this time, this time he's gonna go on a kill spree and and murder 40 people and have sex with their bodies. I'm glad they didn't make s'mores, by the way, because that would have been a little too explicit. It's like, oh no, he's setting up an animal shelter, <laughs> a hotel for dogs. <laughs> Um, okay, now, seriously, he's going to rob a bank, but it's going to go bad. He's going to have to shoot a pregnant lady. Oh, no, wait, he's putting together, together a parcel of canned food for the homeless in Guatemala. <laughs> but the thing about, like, can we talk just a moment about this kid that they babysit, like this dis- disabled kid? It's just a very, also, off-putting scene because they turn this kid's disability into, like, a suspense thing. Because he sees that while, when his mom comes to pick him up, the TV is on, and they're constantly broadcasting that this convict is on the loose. They show a picture of him, and the kid's like... The town was on fire with his mm-hmm. Yeah, and the disabled kid starts trying to say the name of the... Trying to point out to his mother that Frank, this man that he's met, who is hiding right now, is the criminal. He goes, Frank, Frank, Frank! And she says, stop it, stop. And then, does she punch him? She slaps him. She slaps him really like, hard. We watch television when we go home. And then she's like, shut up! And so it's this little glimpse of, like... This horrible situation yeah. where this abusive mom is hit is just routinely hitting her disabled child, and then they mostly leave the movie. Yeah. But it was like, oh, okay, so the movie, the movie was worried we weren't depressed enough. Yeah. Let's add a little Let's bit more. Let's literally in wheel there. in someone to is depress there, you more. Is there a way we could have Lars von Trier guest direct this scene? <laughs> so they, they, but anyway, one thing turns to another. His soul is escaping his body. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking that I think it's a little, in a little bit of bad taste that they named uh, Josh Brolin's character Frank when he kind of looks like Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> he does a little bit, I guess, but like a like a cool, sexy. Yeah, like monster. I don't know how they made I Frankenstein and weren't like Josh Brolin. Are you free? Because you totally still look like Frank. Jay Brolin. Come on, <laughs> Jay Brolin. Let's make this happen. I know you're working on Jonah Hex too, <laughs> or or uh, hexier hat-headed hand herders part two. More hats, fewer oh, hands. Man, he's a good actor. He's appeared in some bad things. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bad movies being made, and Josh Brolin is on their speed dial. He's a working actor, you know. Sure, that's true. Would you rather he be starving for his artistic principles, Dan? Yeah, you're right. I'm the real monster. <laughs> you know you are. Not Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Me. No, you are. I mean, the fact that you're a wolf man is part of it. Like, I just a little hairy. No, Ever since you were bitten by Wolfman Jack, the DJ. <laughs> sure. Anyway, 
uh, one thing turns to another, and Adele and Frank, Kate Winslet. I mean, and, I think it's literally only one thing. Not what, very much stuff happens. That's true. This is yeah. a two-hour movie where there's maybe enough material for like a 15-minute student short. But uh, they fall in love, and they decide they're going to run away to Canada, where I guess he's going to get... I think they may have misunderstood how <laughs> to, it's... To like, avoid the convict draft. <laughs> you know, they can't draft me to jail if I'm in Canada. Uh and We've got no extradition with Canada. I don't think I that's think we actually true. do. It's our, probably... They'll never catch us. <laughs> we can only get through the border patrols. Actually, the longest unguarded border in the world. But the, uh, so, uh... Hold on. Keep going. Okay. I have to yawn. So, but meanwhile, at the same time, Henry starts going out with a girl. And it's the kind of girl that you see in the movies where she's... I guess manipulative and too too is wise beyond her years. And by wise, I mean cynical and manipulative. Okay. And she basically exists to sow the seeds of doubt in Henry's mind that this Frank character has replaced him in his mother's affections. So early on, I was a little confused because the movie uses uh, the movie mixes in these flashbacks to like Josh Brolin's past. I think only Josh Brolin's past. Only Josh Brolin's but past. But then it also it uses very similar methods to uh, to show this kid having fantasies of this girl. Yeah. And it's a kind of strange choice for the movie to use the same style for both its fantasies and its flashbacks. Well, what is memory? Well, got but a, s- a fantasy we tell ourselves was real. No. I mean I I mean some of it's you know, it's corroborated by multiple people. <laughs> I mean, as as some would say that fact and history have a way of merging into fiction and delusion. I believe it was Herodotus who said... <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> uh, ...that there were big ants in the desert that collected gold and had fur on them. Turned out that wasn't true. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> true story. Why would you leave that part? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said, though. Why would you stop before we were getting <laughs> to that? Did people ride on the ants, or were they... No, no. Like, like, is they not that big. Economy? No, no, they're like the size of, like, a dog. <laughs> Okay. Was this like from nuclear testing? Like in there? Yeah, it was from ancient Greek nuclear testing. <laughs> okay. Was that both the male and the female ants, or were the females different, like in China, China Mieville's Perdido Street Station? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I think, considering these animals never existed, uh, sure. in-depth studies were never done. But anyway, it is strange that the... I guess it's a way of showing interior monologue visually, but okay. frankly, his the, the kid's kind of sex flash fantasy was really the only part of the movie I liked because it... Alright, be fair. We saw a few fleeting glimpses of some comic book covers from 1987 and an an old Cracked magazine. (laughs) That's true. The parts we liked were he goes and looks at a spinner rack of old comics and we're like, oh, we read those. Although they were all DC books, which is not my wheelhouse. But then there's a part where it just pans across his room. Which is odd because Clark Craig's in the movie. Yeah, it should be Marvel books. Yeah. But maybe they didn't want to get into the whole new universe thing that was happening around then. You know, every, you know, every suddenly everyone's just thinking about the behind-the-scenes conflicts that were going on at Marvel it, and under Phil Shooter's leadership as editor-in-chief. You know, it's a whole can of worms that... Back in that, the 50s? No, in the 80s. <laughs> oh. It's a whole can of worms that Labor Day just doesn't, doesn't have the time to open up. Yeah. Uh, so they had DC books. But, like, it pans across this room, and you see just, just the masthead... Of an issue of Cracked. You don't even see the full cover. All three of us are like, oh, Cracked. <laughs> cracked What's Sylvester up to? We talked about Cracked magazine for about six minutes. But, like, his fantasy scene at least shows some, there's, like, some interesting style and technique there and, like, a little bit of visual trickery. It doesn't really get across what it is like for a young boy to fantasize about sex. Not really, but... I mean, that would be, a, you would have to have next rating for the... To really get into this. Not necessarily, because a boy his age doesn't really know exactly how sex works. That's true. He's just interested in, in, he's interested in it, wants to do it, but doesn't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that age, probably just, just, just some breasts would do it. But like, there's a shot of, he, of an image that he saw earlier, which is the girl in breasts. Just, just randomly running in the air. Just your run of the mill breasts. Not even special. Not even particularly good ones. Just open a door, yeah, there's was, some breasts behind it. Was heavy metal out at that point? Uh, I yeah, think so, That's yeah. probably what his fans But there's a, he saw the girl in front of him in class. You could see through the back of her shirt just the back of her bra strap. And, like, I remember as a kid, that was really exciting to, see, to like, catch a glimpse of just the strap of a girl's bra. So, like, that felt real to me in a way that the rest of the movie did not feel real at all, you know? Yeah. But what are you going to do? It's still not as good as the scene in The Ballad of Cable Hogue where... He sees the girl's cleavage, and it just keeps flashing in his mind. But uh, anyway, so uh, they want to leave, but uh, he starts worrying, I guess, that 
that they're going to forget about him when they go to Canada together. And at the same time... Those worries are almost immediately dissolved. <laughs> yeah, and the mother, but the mother of the disabled kid comes by and runs into Frank and sees this strange man in the house. Henry leaves a note at Clark Gregg's house saying, like, I'm going to go, but I'll be fine. So he gets suspicious. And one of these people... Yeah, we don't know who. We don't know who. Wait, did, you, did, you, did you mention the beak? Did we get into the beak? The beak? The beak? James Van Der Beek. And James Van Der Beek shows up for one scene as a cop. Who well, no, like, he's also like a guy who may have gotten suspicious. We don't know. Okay, yeah. So yeah, there's a super tense. Yeah. There's a number of suspects Small who may ring. have called the cops. But the important thing is the cops arrive. And uh, Josh Brolin, because he's, of course, a saint, doesn't want them to get in trouble for harboring a fugitive. So he ties them up, pretends he kidnapped them. He goes to jail. He gets 10 years for escaping, 15 years for kidnapping. And uh, we flash forward to the future. Uh, oh, I forgot there's a scene at a bank that I'll tell you about, too, that's really stupid. We flash forward to the future, and we find that the grown-up kid, Toby McGuire, is now a baker, famous oh. for the pies he makes in the style the convict showed him. The convict <laughs> so he's an intellectual property thief. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't copyright that pie. It's like copyright escaped convict. By the way, a thing that we <laughs> joked about during the course of the movie, the idea that this kid would grow up to be a master baker, became true at the end as of the As opposed to the master baker he was as a kid. <laughs> Boom. You, Boom. Got, you got burned, yeah, kid, no, in the movie. burned <laughs> that fictional kid. Yep, he got burned. He got roasted. <laughs> yeah. So anyway... Kid who looks like a young Alan Ruck. I think, yeah. He looks like he looks like the grown to Alan Ruck someday, which is not terrible. No. no good Ryan Spin City, actor. Cameron in uh, Ferris Bueller. It was in a really good episode of Justified. Yeah. What does he do? What does he do? He was the dentist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what does he do now? I mean, he invented he the ruck, he invented the rucksack, so he's rich. Oh, is that yeah. acting <laughs> is just a sideline? That's a hobby. <laughs> he invented a, a, a lynch lynch roller. He calls the ruck and roller. <laughs> and of course, there's ruck rocks, which are just rocks he found that he'll mail to you for like a hundred bucks. The irony is he can't carry all of his riches in one of his patented rucksacks. <laughs> yeah, they're too small. They're too small. Although legend tells of Alan Ruck's original rucksack that it, in fact, was a. Door to a pocket dimension and had no limits. Anything could be stored in it. And he used it on as many adventures to outwit death and various witches. Well, the point is, he's lived an amazing life. Many are the myths and legends of Alan Ruck. From how he won the role of Cameron in a card game with, with God, to how his years on Spin City... Uh, were spent while also being the king of the elves. Sure. <laughs> he was just a stand-in king of the elves for a little bit of time until the elf prince came of age. That elf prince's name? Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He, he followed his father Oberon to the... Uh, <laughs> his father Oberon Ruck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Broderick. Yeah, oh yeah, Matthew Broderick. Oh yeah, they're brothers. You didn't know that? Yeah, Alan Ruck is half-elf. He's so tall Broder he brother <laughs> In the elfin tongue, Broderick, yeah, means brother of Ruck. Ill met by moonlight, Ruck. Peas blossom. Meet ye, Ruck. Mustard seed. <laughs> oh, that, there's that time, of course, when Alan Ruck's head was replaced with that of an ass. <laughs> yes, the tales. I could, I could sit for hours spinning tales of Alan Ruck and his many quests. The many maidens he bedded, and villains he foiled. The gold he found, the bed linens he soiled. The years he toiled, the seas that roiled. The girls he goiled. And of course, and of course, and of course, Agent Coulson. A hearty fellow and a battle mate of Alan Ruck. As side by side, they fought, I guess, like, the Red Skull and and the King of the Norns. <laughs> oh, Alan Ruck. I would love if this started an internet meme on the level of the Chuck Norris meme. <laughs> Suddenly, Alan, Alan Ruck, Ruck is a folk hero. He's, He's like a Munchausen figure. <laughs> He's a fairy tale hero. I heard it was Alan Ruck who killed the big bad wolf. Sure. And freed Little Red Riding Ruck. 
Uh, the tail's out like riding that cannonball. The reason why the moon hides its face most of the time <laughs> is for the shame that Alan Ruck gave it when mm-hmm. betting the wife of the moon king. <laughs> that's, and that's why the castles and chests are called rucks. <laughs> <laughs> and why a mountain is made out of little rucks. <laughs> yeah, they, say he be, they say he bore a child with a bear, Teddy Ruckspin. <laughs> And so a bear that could speak English as if as if man or woman <laughs> roams the earth with his caterpillar friends. The caterpillar is not the child of Alan Ruck. <laughs> and of course, who can forget Robin Hood's faithful sidekick, Friar Ruck. The name was corrupted over the years into Tuck, as of course was the basis of the book Ruck Everlasting. <laughs> And, might I say, Ruck Norris, <laughs> father of Chuck Norris. He's so In fact, in some counties in Ireland, they still say, good ruck to you. <laughs> <laughs> and to be surprised, <laughs> to be surprised is still to have the ruck pulled out from under you. <laughs> For Alan Ruck allowed old men to stand on him when crossing muddy streams. <laughs> and yet he would roll aside, thrusting the old grandfathers into the mud as to have a hearty chuckle. Oh, he was a charming rogue. Oh, boy. So what movie are we talking about? Labor Ruck? <laughs> yep. Oh, man. We're talking about The Legend of Ruckulees. We could talk about Ruck Tales till the cows came home. <laughs> Rucktails Awoo <laughs> might solve a mystery, maybe re-ruck history. <laughs> Ruckulees, you said? Yeah. The Twelve Labors of Ruckulees? Yeah. <laughs> oh, or is, it, or is that just Truckulees? <laughs> and of course, Ruck's truck. He drove around and... Oh, boy. Who can forget when a young Robert so Crumb happy. met him and was inspired to say... Keep on rocking. Uh, words well, in the free world. Do sound Keep like on rocking in the free world, nope. indeed. <laughs> sure do. Uh, so anyway, long story short, Josh Brolin goes to jail. He sees <laughs> years later. He sees a magazine article, I guess, in like Pie Monthly about Tobey Maguire's pies. Yeah, and he literally says something like that. That's the like song. Pie. pie. Yeah. Hey, I know that pie. He writes in to Tobey Maguire, says, "Can I see your mom sometime?" It belongs to a pie guy. <laughs> from Super Mario Brothers. A pie guy meets my eye. <laughs> yeah. You know, your pie struck my eye like a big pizza pie, <laughs> and I thought, I want a more. <laughs> <laughs> with your mom when an eel something something so we got we get some old age makeup at the end yeah. right a tiny bit of old age makeup as Josh Brolin little, is little reunited looks like Toby McGuire <laughs> reunited with Kate Winslet and Winston it feels so good as old people and thus the story comes to its conclusion a le- yeah. and he, he literally says in his letter you may remember I spent a Labor Day weekend with you once <laughs> so we get title yeah. like, the, like the kid is like Oh yeah, I forgot that time a convict <laughs> you know, came to my house. I wasn't sure which convict you were that came over and my mom fell in love with you. But you know what? It was you. Yeah, That's you right. had a you had a beard, right? That that was is that you? Tell me about pies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a, a young Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was one idea that came up during the movie was a TV show called The Young Tommy Lee Jones Chronicles, <laughs> which would be him mostly, I guess, going to Harvard and then going, yeah. becoming a young actor. Yeah, appearing in the Executioner's and song and the park is mine <laughs> exactly um, and that cheerleading movie right man, man of the man of the house manimal house man manimal of the house man <laughs> How, the house money um, so that's Labor Day it's a yeah. it's in a nutshell or a I, pie shell I was in a pie crust I will say this I give Jason Reitman credit for trying something different mm-hmm. I take away that credit for him it's a it's a movie that confuses slowness and quietness with seriousness and emotion. And yeah. it confuses characters looking at each other with characters' feeling. Well, that's, uh, we, Are you know, we spun so yet? many tales of Ruck that we oh, probably Oh, and yet there are to... so more to but behold. There, a thousand one are Rucky and nice. There's a, there's a lot of shots in this movie that kind of remind me of shots from uh, the, the Tree of Life, uh, Man of Steel. Okay. Where it's like, these but that's bullshit. also but that's the thing. That's Malick. the thing. It's all ripped off Terrence Malick. But it's the idea of like imparting seriousness on bullshit. Where yeah. 
it's like uh, Josh Brolin's teaching them to make a pie or some other kind of food, and he'll like pick up a knife and then it'll slow mo on the knife while he reaches around mm-hmm. Kate Winslet sexily. Yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's like they're trying for a Terrence Malick feel. So when Terrence Malick make mo- makes movies, they're about kind of humanity's place in the universe and how people emotionally connect to each other, whereas this is just about, like, a prisoner who teaches a family how to make pies. Yeah, this guy with a goatee is a bad guy. Or is he not a bad guy? Well, he shaved off his goatee. He's a good guy now. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, I wish they had made him someone who really had a past he was ashamed of, like, who had done something bad, was a bad man, and now... Pushing a woman to death is bad. That's bad, but it is... But they still... They made it so that it was an accident. He pushed her, but he didn't mean to do it. He's not responsible and for it. And he's a cuckold, so everybody can identify with that. Exactly. All of us have been cuckolded, except me. Or ruckled, as it was originally called. Because Alan Ruck danced from bed to bed, they said. There, were many, there was many a village where all the children born in one generation had the telltale eyes of Alan Ruck. The tales of the Ruxinova. Uh, now, that's a... Uh, in fact, they would... <laughs> I was gonna make a ruck you joke, but anyway, okay. the uh, but it's they this I would rather have seen a movie where Not Mother th- where Mother Rucker where this man caught a glimpse of the life that he wished he had, but because of his own actions and he knows this, it he, it is closed off to him, and he thought for a moment he might have a family, but instead he's doomed himself. But instead, it was all people caught in circumstance, you know, and re- and and basically a Harlequin romance. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I was getting. Like, I think we can. Sexy of, pie making comedy. We can kind of skip final judgments where we say whether there's a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie kind of liked. I think we all feel like it's a bad, bad movie. Um, it's not terrible, but what I would say about it is, like, I'm not sure why, as you say, they took a Harlequin romance and just decided, like, oh, let's throw a couple of A list actors at this. Because, like, this is just, like, I mean, like, the style and the content of it is so much just like sort of a bored fantasy of like I'm, I'm a kind of a dangerous man comes into this woman's life and but really fulfills all of her needs, both sexual and chores-wise. And chores around the house. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, even before he shows up, they, they kind of introduce the characters in the house. And the whole time we're like, well, that needs fixing. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to fix that <laughs> Guess later. he'll take care of that one. There's also yeah. a bunch of very ham-handed attempts at suspense, such as when Kate Winslet and her son go to take all their money out of the bank, and everyone at the bank immediately suspects them of something, but they don't know what, yeah. until the son breaks the the tension by making a joke of their actual plan to run for the border like criminals, because earlier Josh... Earlier... <laughs> to live moss. Earlier Josh Brolin told, the, told him that it's easier to mislead people with the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, the characters have to fake that they're really... Nervous, and the and the bank teller has to fake that she's really weirded out by what's happening, and it's it's the suspense is very. And important. we're also in a town where everybody is super interested in everybody else. It's a small town. Like as soon as they're like, "Hey, shouldn't you be starting school tomorrow? Shouldn't you be starting school in two weeks?" Yeah. yeah. Dentist appointment on the first day of school. That's insane. Um, Your teeth need to learn. Let's just uh, move so along. So bad, bad. Final judgments. Now, what, what do we do now, Dan? Move along into letters. Letters from. Listeners, devoted listeners to the podcast. Listeners of the podcast. Right in. Listeners of the podcast. Send them some letters. Devoted listeners. Not any of you Fairweather fans. Just kidding. Send us some letters to men and women, boys and girls all over the world. Send us your letters. But first, take those letters and put them into words that arrange the words into sentences. Don't forget to sign your letter. With your name. Or someone else's, if you're trying to frame them. Frame them with the name. Name them with the frame. There's a lot of things that have been covered in this song. Then we'll frame your letter. Okay. Yeah, we frame every letter we get. Thanks, guys. Um, We use E-frames, the digital frames that you put on emails. Yeah, sure. This this podcast is sponsored by E-frames, the company that doesn't exist, I think. (laughs) With a product that doesn't make sense. (laughs) So, this first letter. Why don't you frame somebody electronically? (laughs) Stands for Elliot Frames. Like this. Hello, Flophouse. I'm only 12 years old, but I listen to your podcast. That is not appropriate. That is terrible. (laughs) I am only... Mom! Mom! Mom, what's a tarp foursome? (laughs) I am only 12, so I don't have a remark about a reference in some episode. Wow, he's really leaning on the fact that he's 12. Yeah, he's 12. Thanks for writing in, though. 
My favorite flopper is Stewart. Hey, you're the future. <laughs> but, <laughs> because he's a totally rad dude. But Elliot and Dan have a tie for second. Oh, thanks. <laughs> your, your podcast is excellent, and I will keep on listening. Thank and you. I will keep on flopping from Connor, last name with Elliot. Thanks, thanks Connor. Connor. That was very nice. Yeah, I do think that maybe your parents should keep a closer eye on what you, <laughs> on what you listen to. But, uh, Either your parents... Listen no, with you cool. or have no idea what you're No, it's fine. Hide under the covers, listen to a really you know cool what? podcast. <laughs> I watched... It's keeping them off the streets, you know. I watched so many R-rated <laughs> movies as a kid as uh, a result of my, my parents' laissez-faire <laughs> style of parenting. And look, I turned out okay. Yeah, mostly. Sure. I mean, you're kind of a purposoid, but otherwise... Sure. No, I well, am... I'm the number one purposoid. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do Your parents are very proud. Full Your mom is always like... Did you hear about my son, the number one pervasoid? <laughs> yeah, we saw the mom is Jewish. Your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your mom is now Jewish too. Yeah, the student says my son is a pervasoid, is an honors pervasoid. Yeah. Um, my other car is a son. <laughs> the, uh, is but this uh, one? I, yeah, when I was twelve, I was listening and watching too, and reading so many things that were not appropriate. <laughs> so, Paul's <laughs> yeah. car was a chariot. Uh, this next letter. During the After Earth discussion, you lamented that there were no quality butt-centric science fiction narratives <laughs> outside of the porn parody subgenre. Did we do that? <laughs> I guess we did. Uh, well, I'm here to tell you... <laughs> this is a dumb Was it because of all the butt shots of the little kid? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I don't know. It's possible. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are wrong. Robert Hein Robert Hindloins, <laughs> the butt is a harsh mistress. Hindloins. <laughs> Hindloins. Robert Hindloins, stranger to strange butt. Uh, when I was a young man. Isaac Asimov's <laughs> foundation and butt. Ray Buttbury. Um, anyway. Arthur C. Cracks, 2001 a butt odyssey. <laughs> the three laws of robotics. <laughs> One, a butt cannot harm a human. Or through an action, allow a human to come to harm. Two, a butt must do whatever a human tells it, unless it conflicts with the first rule. And three, a butt must save it, must preserve its own life, unless it conflicts with the first three, two laws. Three, a butt must be sexy. <laughs> uh, no, he says, when I was a young man... In the midst, I believed in silly things. <laughs> in the midst of middle school summer reading shopping, I happened upon a book that would change my life forever. Robotics. The title of this historic tome, you ask? Why, it's The Day My Butt Went Psycho. Oh, I know that book. Yeah, the I've whimsical tale of a young man whose posterior has run amok. Having detached itself from our hero, the titular rump has brought it upon itself Butular. to lead the revolt of the world's butts. But this is barely scratching the surface. As the forward of the book puts it, this book is full of dis disobedient butts, runaway butts, psycho butts, kamikaze butts, exploding butts, cluster butts, nuclear butts, giant unwiped butts, butt rallies, butt catchers, butt fighters, butt hunters, butt guns, and explosive butt canoes. So I fail to see how this is speculative fiction that either predicts where technology is going or comments on our social relationships through the metaphor of a future or other world. As a young preteen, this was the funniest piece of literature I had ever read. And even now as an adult, with a preteen sense of humor, I still find a good chuckle from it now and again. I highly recommend a read, if only out of curiosity. Thanks for the laughs, and keep up the good work. Yours in floppage, Nick, the last name withheld. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, I, Nick. Again, I don't know if it really fits in the <laughs> SF genre. No, but I, you know, I appreciate you keeping me up to date on the latest, or the oldest in butt news. <laughs> sure, so. old butts are cool too, right? I guess. <laughs> I mean, as long as they're tone. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting into a weird area. Yeah, like Jack LaLanne's butt. <laughs> yeah, that man. Va va boom. Uh, so this next letter. My darling peaches. As I made my way through the Is this a house, Civil War letter? <laughs> Thanks, Mrs. Along. Dalloway. <laughs> I was delighted by an offhand comment Elliot made in the Happiest Millionaire episode. He mentioned another 1960s live-action Disney film, The Ugly Dachshund, and instructed the floppers to write in if we had seen this classic. I am answering that clarion call of fate. Hell Finally. yes, I've seen it. The premise is a hilarious mix-em-up, which involves the nagging shrew of a wife bringing her dachshund to the vet to have a litter of puppies. The vet is a kindly old dude who takes pity on the oafish put-upon husband by sneaking a Great Dane puppy into the litter so the man will be stuck with a terrible wife and a house full of ankle biters will have a proper dog of his very own. I'm going to take issue with the terms hilarious and doom used in this letter. <laughs> At no point does the wife say, Wow, look, there's a Great Dane in this litter of dachshunds. 
Everyone just accepts that this giant dog named Brutus is a dog. Dachshund have a Marmaduke. The ugly dachshund has it all. Multiple scenes of canine antics in which the mischievous dachshunds make a huge mess and pit it on poor sweet Brutus. 1960s Disney casual Asian racism. A big dog show finale. Actually, I think that's it. But what else do you need? I mean, there's a scene where an Asian caterer uh, mistakes Brutus the Great Dane for a lion, runs around a party screaming, Ryan! Ryan! And their terrified state destroys a pagoda. This was my favorite movie as a child. A pagoda? A pagoda. Oh, pagoda. An A pagoda. A pagoda. The Japanese sitcom star A pagoda. Yeah. Dan, at this point... I don't even like a veal piccata. Dan, at this point, I would like to give you an appreciative shout-out for being so steadfast amid all the chaos chaos of your adorable co-hosts. I can only chaos assume... Chaos is when the Orthodox Jews uh, grow. So oh. rolls in. Chaos. I can only assume Elliot Dr. and Stuart... Dr. Chaos from the Planet of the Apes movies. I can only <laughs> assume Elliot and Stuart Katie have Walter. interrupted you several times by now. Well, we wouldn't if, his, if, he didn't, if he said words properly. I talk so quickly because I'm trying to keep from being interrupted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a violent cycle. <laughs> yep. And by now, you have handled it graciously, truly making you the Brutus the Great Dane to Elliot and Stuart's pack of devious dachshunds. Y'all the best, Tessa. Last name with hell. Thanks, Tessa. Thanks for writing in, Tessa. No, that's uh, yeah, I, again. I mean, it's not as advertised as my uh, interest in butts, but I'm also interested in dachshund news. Really? Not really. really. But <laughs> because I've only ever heard you talk about butts. <laughs> I've it, never heard you talk about dachshunds. When it comes to stupid Disney live action films of the '60s, definitely. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, I love okay, that. Okay, so send in that news, yeah. people, I guess. So if you have any, yeah, anything about the nine lives about... of Thomasina, anything about the, the million-dollar duck, any, anything you got there. Um, but moving on. The computer wore dog shoes. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, I will not. The next letter. You're, you're going to the chair. It's, you will not receive a pardon. It seems inevitable that a Black Friday-centered movie will make it in the near future. Well, the movie Friday... Well, <laughs> oh, no, okay. Oh. Uh, the holiday Black Friday will be made in the near future. My question holiday? request. Yeah, yeah, the Gary Marshall movie Black Friday about people shopping. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought it was like. Uh, never mind. I misunderstood. This uh, writer's question is what will happen first, a Black Friday horror film in the style of The Purge, or a wacky Black Friday holiday movie, Christmas with the Crank style? Which comes first, and how do you cast it? Thanks, dudes, and keep on flopping in the free world into 2014 and beyond. So this is old. <laughs> Dash, last name withheld, former contest winner. Dash. I remember Dash. Yeah. Nice to hear from you again. So I'm, if it's a hor- if it's like a futuristic sci-fi horror movie, clearly it's like The Running Man. Yeah, yeah. With cool characters like Buzzsaw, Fireball, Dynamo. Buzzball, Firemo. <laughs> uh, and of course, Rucky. Flat Top. <laughs> Rucking fireball, <laughs> forever winner of shoots a lot. The rucking man. <laughs> That's why it's Stabby. called the rucking man because he was their only winner ever. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it would be a comedy because you have all these different sure. storylines and they're all going to the same store to get the same item. Well, I mean, the movie is clearly going to be sponsored by Walmart. Some kind it's of up yeah. top. Some kind of an it's going to be style. an internship situation, like where Google's behind it. Yeah, unless it's like a found footage horror movie about people being stampeded to death. As other people try to get ten dollar DVD players, mm-hmm. I mean ten dollars to watch a DVD. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> amazing. A good deal. It's a good deal. I mean, even I mean that's a digital versatile dish. <laughs> it's so versatile. <laughs> it's so digital. You can use it as a frisbee. You can put your file on it. Yeah. it's very versatile. You can break By the way, it. I can answer the question as uh, what mirror. are the chapter titles for Point Break? <laughs> Finally. Uh, so, but I, who would you cast in it? Your regulars, your Hector Alessandro, mm-hmm. your Ashton Kutchme, <laughs> your, your, uh, your Ben Grimsby, and of course, Owl Magical in a small role. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who else? CG for him. Your, uh, 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 Bradlin Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Your Jessica Alberts. <laughs> 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 your Shirlene McCranes. Your Willie Tallsalts. <laughs> Winston Lightbug. <laughs> yeah, of course. Meet your Man Susan Barry. Saran wraps. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cracked magazine. <laughs> your Hanky Berries. Yeah, and of course, your Alan Rucks. Uh, but 
We have a really, a really short last letter before we move These on to the our scary final ones. <laughs> Uh, hey guys, I ate mushrooms one weekend for the first time, okay. and somehow ended up listening to your show oh, for the first time again, right? <laughs> as well. Inappropriate. A long, slow, weird story short, I ended up listening to like half of your catalog that night, but the reason I'm emailing is because it didn't stop there. For the next two weeks, every movie I watched was narrated by the Flophouse. <laughs> it was awesome. I don't only feel like I know you guys, but that there's a psychedelic bond. Especially with Elliot. You, dude, you rock. Travis, last name with Hill. Thanks, Travis. It's really nice. Le- the least likely one of us to do mushrooms is the one that... I already do not trust my perception of reality. I am not going to make it any sure. weirder. Yeah. The, the number of times I think there's a thing behind me, only to turn around and find there's nothing there, you're, I don't want to make that more. You're saying that you always feel like somebody's watching you. Yeah, exactly. Or like I'm, uh, I'm like the hero of the Iron Maiden song, Fear of the Dark. Um, but, uh, you know, if anyone else is... <laughs> That's any- easy hero, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the good guy. He conquers over the dark. <laughs> yeah, he's the white hat. <laughs> I feel like if anyone else has any Flophouse-related uh, drug hallucinations, I would love to hear it. Sure, yeah. Um, but now... Other than us. We need to move on to the final segment, where we recommend... Final the segment. Last of the night. This segment is final. Finish him. Flawless victory. Babality. Wow, he did it right away. Friendship. These are bits that we haven't heard, heard in a while. Yeah. Radar uh, is playing at... Rarow! Uh-oh. R-O-C-K in the USA, etc. So, anyway... Is this the last episode, Dan? I don't know. It could be. If we're all hit by a bus tomorrow. So, movies that we want to recommend that we enjoyed. I'll kick it off. This is when we recommend movies we didn't dislike. Yeah. Um, or to put it another way, movies we liked. Okay. <laughs> when I was... Uh, Young, life was so wonderful. When I was on vacation... Uh, one, uh, you flew on the recently. plane during that vacation. No, 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 guess what he watched on the plane. No, no. <laughs> when I was in a hotel in London, I turned on the television. <laughs> they call it telly there. And After Telly Savalas, the inventor what, of the television. What did my un- wondering eyes t- did appear but uh, the Crazies remake. Oh. Um, and oh, I want to recommend... No, Timothy Oliphant presented, but <laughs> Timothy's elephant. I want to recommend actually both versions of the Crazies. Both versions of the Crazies. I think that the first—that's crazy. The first version of the Crazies now, which it, stars my friend Natalie's dad. Really? Yeah. Um, if you don't know the Crazies, it's basically George Romero uh, remaking his zombie movie, but it's a movie about uh, like a an evil, like a military. Uh, uh, agent like an Agent Orange style, like an Agent Coulson that uh, is improperly disposed in this small town, like a, a, like Return of the Living Dead. And guess what? People go. They go crazy. Yeah. And they start killing each other. And it's an interesting movie in a couple ways. I feel like uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original. Um, there's a lot of talk about George Romero talks about how he didn't really intend necessarily for it to be making. A big a societal point. point. Yeah. yeah. It was just the fact that there was colorblind casting of the main role that it took on this extra element. But the crazies... He intended just to be the follow-up to his hit film, Romero and Juliet. Right. Well, the crazies <laughs> seems to be much more explicit uh, taking on of the Vietnam War through a horror movie. So it's interesting in that it's Romero uh, reacting to his previous film in that way. But it also, I was thinking about it, like... The Crazies was Romero... Like, Romero started the whole modern zombie film. Mm-hmm. Like, he birthed that. But he also, with the From Crazies... Head, like Zeus. Mm-hmm. He anticipated where the zombie film eventually would go with this idea of, Crazy. like... Um, zombies as something that's created by, like, this, this, uh, this virulent agent, this, like, some sort of disease. Some umbrella core. Yeah, I mean, like... He basically invented the revisionist zombie movie himself later on, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about. Um, and it's not as good as Night of the Living Dead, but it's a lot of fun if you like a, a George Romero horror movie. And the remake is a surprisingly good modern horror movie. Uh, in but it does part, not have my friend Natalie's dad. It does it. not. It does not have Will McMillan in it. But, but it I does love, have Josh Duhamel. Right? No, it's got Timothy Oliphant. 
That's him the, the rich, elephant. <laughs> the rich, He's like the crazy version of Josh Duhamel. He's the rich man's <laughs> version of Josh Duhamel. Which is ironic, because Josh Duhamel played a character named Danny McCoy. <laughs> I don't think um, that's ironic. Yeah, I don't understand the irony there. a popular TBS uh, rerun show, Las Vegas. Anyway, the point is, I pretty much like <laughs> Timothy Oliphant in anything. Guy's a good actor. He is. He's handsome. Very charming. I like him a lot. So, see, liking, with an edge. liking like, him is justified. And also, Deadwood. Both the old and he's new versions. He's not Deadwood. I'll, I'll have to see the new one. I like the yeah. old one, but I haven't seen that one. Uh, so, what do you guys got? Who wants to go? Stuart, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie I don't think you guys have recommended yet. Uh, and it's a movie that by the time you're listening to this will probably be out of the theaters, which is too bad because it was really good. Uh, I'm going to recommend Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. a movie that there's been a number of think pieces. Yeah, there's been good. a lot of positive reviews a on the internet. A lot of stink pieces. Um, there's not a lot I can say other than... Crack magazine. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it yet, you should really give it a shot. It, the marketing campaign was not particularly great. Uh, it was particularly trailers, terrible. Yeah, I'm looking at a poster right now that says... The tagline for Edge of Tomorrow is "Live on the Edge." They did their it's like, best. Are you selling Mountain Dew or? <laughs> they did their, they did their some best. Some kind of pizza flavored snack. Did their best for this ad campaign to make it appear as generic and obliviony as possible, yeah. as possible. And I feel like at this point, and not career, Phantasm for Oblivion. No, Tom that would be great. Oblivion. I would totally go see that. That's part of the thing is that I feel like at this point, a lot of movies, uh, even though Tom Cruise is great in it, and he's great in a number of movies. A lot of times people don't want to see Tom Cruise because of Tom Cruise the person. Mm-hmm. And but that forgets the fact that he's a very yeah, talented movie star. Exactly. Yeah. And he uses his movie stardom in a way to kind of play uh, in this movie. Um, he, he's, he's funny. He knows his persona on screen so well now, and he can use it as a tool to, yeah. to do the performances in an, in an interesting way. And Emily yeah. Blunt is amazing. She's amazing. So amazing. totally, don't go see Lucy. Go see this. I mean, don't sure. go see Lucy. Probably. Don't go see Lucy. It continues to, Lucy continues to pass on the myth that people only use ten percent of their brains. Just guys, so you use ten percent of your I don't know money in your pocket. I kind of want to see Lucy though. Well, could, you can do that, but you've already seen I've Edge seen of Tomorrow. tomorrow. So I've seen Lucy. So I get a hall pass for that. <laughs> you get a hall pass. <laughs> but you don't come back sticking a Lucy. Okay. <laughs> you better wash that shit off first. Lucy is basically just smear burritos it's on just yourself. So I that's, that's a reference to the the, the, the dirt, the Molly Crew uh, yeah. story. Yeah. 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 Nice. Burritos. Okay. I love the idea that so you live there on was the edge. nothing there was nothing less extreme than <laughs> fucking a burrito that was gonna take the owner of another woman's All other like women and pieces off yeah. of bits and pieces. Because what I've been, been blown up? <laughs> <laughs> were, they, were, they, were they having sex in a battlefield? I feel like I was a little too gynecological earlier in the podcast. I'm oh, it's too late. The 12-year-old has heard it all. Sure. Elliot. I'd like to recommend two movies, but real quick. Whoa. One is a big-budget movie that's in the theaters now. Uh, it's called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and it is the second of the new Planet of the Apes movies, and I thought it was really great. If anything, I liked it a little bit more than the last Planet of the Apes movie, which I also thought was really good. So you'd say, wake up to this dawn. <laughs> I would. I would. I would say there's a scene where an ape on horseback wielding a machine gun jumps through a wall of fire, and it was that at that point I realized this is why movies were invented. <laughs> that image justifies the entire history of film and all the billions upon billions of dollars that have been poured into this art form. It's like the image your mind created when watching 2001 <laughs> and the ape is standing in front of that obelisk, right, and holding the bone. I mean, that's a great Some, image, too. Someday that bone's going to be a machine gun. I was like, this needs a machine gun, a horse, and some fucking fire. <laughs> and the other movie I'd like to recommend... We'll talk Kubrick. <laughs> is, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Steve Coogan's show, I'm Alan Partridge, and the Alan Partridge character. But did you watch the Alan Partridge? And I, I watched that. And I just recently watched, finally, the movie, Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa, which came out last year, I guess. Or uh, I think in the U.S. I think in the US it's just called Al- Alan Partridge. I think well, on Netflix it's listed as Alan oh, Partridge, really? Alpha Papa, which was the U.K. title. It's not a good title, but uh, I found it to be really funny. And it's not the most amazing movie, but like for considering it's the it's the only comedy that's new that I've seen in a while where I was like consistently laughing. And a lot of that is just because Steve Coogan is so funny in that character, and he has a lot of great lines, and uh, they don't go too big with the story. Like, it's not Alan Partridge solving a 
a murder mystery. It's not him on a big adventure. His bag doesn't get mixed up with a spy's bag, and he's on the run. Like, it's a pretty small-scale uh, story, but done with a lot of humor and a little bit of heart. Well, and I, I read a review where they, you know, I think it might have been over at the Dissolve where they made a good point where they are just saying that it's an interesting movie, too, because they're putting a character who is resolutely self-interested in a position where he has to be like at least a little bit of a hero, so that makes for a good comedic but, uh, conflict. But he is his, he's still his self-interests are constantly getting in the yeah. way of him doing anything heroic. He's still an asshole. Yeah. And hey, who's that? Miles O'Brien from Star Trek: The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. Is he in it? Yes, he Wait, is. Is that Odo? No, no. Miles O'Brien's the character. Um, Call me. Um, real quick, I'm going to jump in, and I want to make a second. Second recommendation. Whoa. That's allowed, right? Unprecedented. This is. Uh, there's nothing in the rule book that okay. says he can't. Uh, I just want well, to wait. Write no, here it is. Real quick. There's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't recommend I, a movie. <laughs> I want to recommend. Stuart, are you a dog? I want to <laughs> recommend what I would consider to be a great bad movie. A movie that is the type of movie that I wish every time we sit down for one of these uh, flop ass podcasts. Deep in your heart. Yeah. You're um, dreaming. Last weekend, I participated in a Flophouse Facebook group, group watch, where members of the group on the Facebook page watch a movie, and we watch Double Dragon, um, which is amazing. Okay. So if you haven't seen Double Dragon, it's on Netflix. Watch it. It is amazing. I Robert stopped, Patrick is insane. I stopped by Stuart's apartment when he was finishing watching this. That's right. We hang out in real life. Jealous. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, if you want and, to see, uh, if, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, it's fine. If you want to see some of the zaniest, unless you're a fucking sex pot, yeah, take that Ray Ban business. Wait, wait, wait! Else. If you're a sex pot, feel free to join. That's but why I don't think Ray Ban sponsors us is because they're too busy setting sex pots to infiltrate us for free. Also, you know, hey, sex bots have feelings too. If you're not, if you're not nice, maybe don't join. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like when it was smaller. Like, it was easier to keep out people who were maybe harassing people. Wow. Has that been a problem lately? Uh, you know. The, the, as, as, the, as the group grows larger, it grows more like the internet at large. I see. Well, if so you're going to harass anybody, harass me. Yeah. As I Stuart can, can take, take it. it. As Kurt Vonnegut once said, be nice on the Flophouse Facebook page. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but those, those are your cat's cradle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And All the silver spoon, little boy blue, etc. Great. When you come coming home, Stuart, mm-hmm. I don't know when. Hello. We'll get together then. Steve. Great recommendations. Ugly kid joke. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now we need to. Classic ugly kid joke song. We need, we need to sign off Let's so wrap we can it up. gather around Elliot's feet and listen to more Tales of Ruck. Oh, yes, children. <laughs> gather ye round, gather ye round. For now, the story of how Ruck deceived the Baba Yaga <laughs> and won the rights to the chicken leg house <laughs> and, and turned it into condos. <laughs> and won the rights to the movie Boat Trip. <laughs> <laughs> Only to lose them in an arm wrestling match with a giant. Uh, but before we... The we, moral of the story is, <laughs> Ruck happens. <laughs> we'll take that story off air. In the meantime, I've been Dan McCoy. <laughs> I've been Stuart. Well in town. And I... And I will continue to be Elliot Kalen as long as I can help it. Good night, everyone. What you drinking there, a gimlet? The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. Uh, hamburgers. hamburgers. All in a bag. <laughs> hamburgers, hamburgers. <laughs> Wait, that's your, that's your vocal warm-up? Yeah. <laughs> I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. <laughs> Glorp mush. Glorp mush. Glorp mush glug glug. Is that your Mad Magazine? <laughs> this, is my, this is my that Tom Martin yeah, vocal warm-ups. Spoing, 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 phone bone. <laughs> <laughs> Kaspoing, shallop. <laughs>